0: Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me again this week. This week, we're going to tackle a pretty difficult subject, a subject that hasn't been discussed nearly enough. It is starting to become more in popular discussions and is starting to become a more standard discussion, but still, we have a long way to go. I am speaking today with Pamela Bonilla, and she is a licensed professional counselor. She also has a Master's of Science in Professional Counseling. Her particular emphasis is in child and adolescent disorders. She has a private practice and is working on a new brain science that she's going to discuss with us today. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce to you Pamela Bonilla. Pamela, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Audra. It's really a pleasure. I'm so excited to have you here because we're going to tackle this very difficult subject of mental health. Now, while it's become more acceptable to talk about it, it's still, as I said in the intro, has a long way to go. We have a lot of research yet to do, but we have come a long way. Before we dive into the research and what trauma response is and all of that, let's first start with a couple of definitions. So will you mind defining for us what is trauma? So trauma is an adverse event that happens
1: in our lives that we have no control of and it will affect our daily functioning. So some people who go through traumas uh, it's at sometimes their daily function is not affected, but others they do actually go through the trauma response and their daily function is definitely affected.
0: Can you give me an example of that, of what that trauma response would look like if it showed up in their day-to-day activities?
1: Um, There's different ways that it kind of shows. You know, we have what's called triggers. And so triggers can be anything from a person or a look or a smell or something that just kind of reminds us of the event, and we may not even know what that is, maybe a location or something along those lines. Oftentimes, in order for us to be protected from that trauma, we do what's called disassociation, where we kind of go inside ourselves and kind of shut down. Everybody disassociates in one level or another. It's kind of like a spectrum. So kind of when you're driving down the road and you get to your home and you're like, how did I get here? That's a little bit of a dissociation, right? Or you're sitting in a lecture and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, what did they just say? You know, that's a little bit of a dissociation. And it's just our brain's way to protect us from excess input that is happening in our environment.
0: So is it safe to say that everybody has had some sort of trauma in their lives, whether it be extreme or minor? are any of us excluded from that?
1: Everybody goes through a trauma. Actually, the very first trauma that we all go through is birth, if you think about it. You know, we're all happily floating in our mom's tummy. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) we get like squeezed out, right? And now we're like in this environment that's cold and bright and loud. And we all start our lives in trauma, basically. When we go through traumas, like I said, affects us differently. And so what one person would consider a trauma, another person would be like, that was just a stressor in my life, or that was not a big deal. So it's really how our brain interprets
0: that event. So you are studying this new brain science, this instinctual trauma response. Yes. And you had, you had given me a little bit of a sneak peek into that, but Give us a, a better explanation as to what is this new brain science, and how is it showing up in patients that you're treating for trauma? Yeah. So it's new in the fact that it's really starting to come out and
1: come more to the public knowledge, but it's been around for a while. Being studied by Dr. Tannen and Dr. Gant, they had uh, they have their own um, practice in West Virginia for um, since like the 70s or 80s, so... It's been around for quite some time but now it's just really starting to come out just because it's so ex- extremely helpful in understanding what's really going on with the brain and how to and how and our physiological responses to the trauma and how to help heal that. And so what instinctual trauma response does is it says that whenever we go through a trauma, we go through a trauma in a very instinctual way. It's a very physiological response that we have that is kind of out of our control because that's just the way the brain actually works to protect us throughout the whole entire trauma. So what's going on in our brain is when we are little – before the age of about two and a half to three years old, we are really operating more out of our, what's called our limbic system in our brain. That limbic system is the area of our, that is just more. Uh, It's more nonverbal. It's that implicit, unconscious memory that we store somewhere in our body. So, everything that's ever happened to us from conception on, we have an implicit memory of. So, we can't say, like, oh, I remember that time, you know, like when I was, you know, six months old, this happened to me. Like, but there's somewhere in our body that it's stored. The memories that we. Let
0: me stop Mm -hmm. you there. Let me stop you for a moment because that. I find very intriguing. Yeah. It explained to me a little bit better about what that means, that it's stored somewhere in the body and there's a memory of it somewhere. Yeah, so, you know, we're finding
1: that we can go through trauma even in utero. Dr. T- Tannen and Dr. Gant discovered that back in like the 60s and 70s they were doing surgeries on infants in the womb, but they weren't giving anesthesia. And now the that they were older, these people were having these body memories of this trauma of having surgery without anesthesia and the pain of that. And other neuropsychologists and scientists have studied this. If a mother actually goes through trauma while she's pregnant, that baby experiences that trauma. Like I said, you can't like think about it. Like you can't remember like, hey, I remember floating in my mom's tummy and this happened to me. Like that is not like a memory you can pull up, but it is somewhere in your body. And so your body remembers this happened to me when I was a child, an infant. Um, and uh that part, wherever that is, like that that body sensation, kind of holds on to that memory for us. So, like, for instance, I had a client who had a bit of a traumatic birth, and he got stuck in the birth canal, and the the doctor actually had to put his hand up inside the mom and pull this baby down as the nurses were pushing on her tummy. And he grabbed a hold of this this infant's shoulder. We were processing that trauma that happened. Everybody says to me, I, but I don't remember this, but they're drawing it out, right? And that's part of the process. The client came back to see me the next week and I'm like, so how's it going? He's like, well, nothing's different. Well, my shoulder doesn't hurt anymore. And it's hurt, hurt me my whole entire life, right? And he had no idea and he had been to OT, physical therapy, all kinds of stuff for his shoulder. And it was really because he was holding on to that trauma of the doctor grabbing him by the shoulder and pulling him out. And so once we actually process that tra- that trauma, that part of his body that was holding on to that trauma, it was released and it no longer um, held on to that anymore.
0: That's fascinating. yeah so you're I just want to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly. A trauma occurs to you or occurs to uh, yeah, occurs happens to you, I guess. So uh, when a a trauma happens to you, Mm -hmm. you may not be able to recall it from your memories. Right. But it's stored somewhere in your body. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you walk around feeling this. Yes. And and without explanation. Without
1: explanation. And you actually think like Everybody feels this way. Like this is just the way it is for you know, people, right? However, it's not really the way everybody feels. It's because that you've gone through something before, pre-verbal, and it's there. And so, once you actually um, process that trauma, that that feeling, that state being of that unwellness
0: is released. So, how do they know that this happens if they can't if they can't recall it? from their memory bank, how do they know the difference between I hurt my shoulder and I had a traumatic birth and my shoulder is maintaining that memory in the muscle?
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting because... As I said, it's stored in your body. So, part, like I said, part of this, the um, processing is we draw out the trauma. They may not remember. Kids will not remember. I work specifically with kids and adolescents that that happened to them. Even adults, they won't remember what happened to them. But as they're drawing it out, their hand remembers. So our hand remembers what our brain forgets. And so, for instance, I had a little boy who was 20 days old when he was adopted. And the mom and dad went to pick him up at the lawyer's office. When we were getting to that point, he actually drew out a conference room with a large table and chairs all around, three chandeliers, double doors behind the conference room, and his mom and dad sitting to the left of the double doors. And his mom looked at me and she said, how does he know what that room looked like? We never went back ever again. How does he know we sat to the left of those doors? Because our, brain, our hand remembers what our brain
0: forgets. So what does that process look like? This is this is fascinating science to me because this could be uh, take the the next level of therapy and make it so much more effective because you know there is traditional therapy and I am not knocking traditional therapy because God knows I've been through a, a lot of it. <laughs> and it. And it and it and it and it works. Yes. It absolutely works. Yeah. But this is fascinating to me because this is raising a level of consciousness of that stored in your body that you're not aware of. So how does that work? How do they know what to draw and how do you, how do you get them in that space to experience that and start working through it? Yeah. So let me go and just kind of talk to you about like what's going on with the brain. So
1: when, when any sensations come up and whatever's happening in our environment, it comes up through our, our uh, into our brainstem into the amygdala area of our brain, and that area of our brain kind of, it's like, uh, it sorts through everything that's happening to us, and it sends it out to the areas of the brain that it needs to go to. That's like, like right now, you're hearing my voice, and it's sending it to the Broca's area of our brain, which actually interprets language, and it's sending it to the prefrontal cortex, so you can actually like have a intelligent conversation with me. When a trauma happens, the amygdala is like, this may be a dangerous situation. Let me send this to the hippocampus and the hypothalamus, which are areas of our brain that hold on to memories, um, implicit and explicit. And they sort through that information. They're like, this is a dangerous situation. So it sends it back to the amygdala. And the amygdala says, oh, this is dangerous. So it sends it to the hippocampus and the hypothalamus. And it goes around and around. It gets stuck in that limbic area of our brain, which is that preverbal body sensation part of our brain that has those Implicit memories are maybe fragmented memories, right? And so it never really gets a chance for the prefrontal cortex to think it through and say, wait a minute, I understand what happened here. This happened to us and it had a beginning and a middle and it ended. And that happened to us a long time ago. And we are now, you know, 25 years old. We're no longer that five year old child, right? But our prefrontal cortex, it needs to understand that we have gone through this process and we're done with it. So how we help our prefrontal cortex, that thinking part of our brain that's logical and can understand time to really process that and get it out, pull that trauma out of that limbic loop where it keeps on going around and around, is we look at that very physiological response that we have when we go through trauma. Like I spoke about before, how we go through a very specific stages so we start off in a stage of startle where we're like, Oh no, something's going to happen to me. We become very tense and hyper alert. Maybe our breath like catches and comes in gas. Then we go into what's called a thwarted fight and flight where. You don't want to be in this, right? You don't want this to be happening to you. You want to maybe run away or fight your way out of it, but you can't because you're stuck in the trauma. And so that's sort of fight and flight. So that's like an adrenaline rush where like our heart is beating fast and our breathing is fast and our fingernails are like bared, you know, we're clenching our fists, our eyes are big, our face maybe become flesh, our mouth becomes dry, our movements are like really forceful and jerky. These are very, all of these are very body sensations that are physiological sensations that are happening to us because of those brain chemicals that are rushing through our body. Then we go in, we can't handle that stage for very long. Uh, we go into what's called a state of freeze. And that is like uh, getting a shot of morphine. Like our body just numbs out. Our emotions numb out. Our breathing slows down. Our heart rate slows down. We even like get like tunnel vision. We can't see to the sides. We just our vision gets very narrow, and we feel like we may even be dying in that stage. After that happens, because of those huge chemical influxes in our brain, um, we go into what's called an altered state of consciousness. Uh, where things just don't feel re- real anymore. We feel like we might be dreaming. We lo- lose connection with our body. Uh, maybe we feel our body is like really, really small or super, super big. Or maybe we feel like we're up here and we're looking at our body and everything happening to us down there. Or it even um, affects like our sense of time, where like time feels like it's speeding up. We're just like go- everything's going fast or it's like slow down. And then after that, we go into what's called automatic obedience, And this is kind of like a doing without thinking. So, like, if you've ever been in an accident, you'll have helpers come up, like the policemen or the firefighters, and they'll say, look at me, don't move, right? And you're just doing what they're telling you to do. Or maybe it's a doctor who's telling you, you know, stay still or something along those lines. You're just listening to the authorities and they're you're just you're not, your brain isn't thinking, you're just letting them do the thinking for you. However, sometimes we go through traumas and we're on on our own in those things. And so it's more of our brain saying, get us out of here. And you're just like automatically like on autopilot, very robotic, trying to get yourself out of the trauma. And then you're starting to come out of the trauma and so, um, you go into what's called a self-repair and that is like your body is starting to come back online. Remember when I said when we were in a freeze, how like our body numbs out. Well, maybe now we starting to feel the pain of the trauma to, we're doing things to make ourselves feel better. Maybe we're sleeping or eating or drinking or, or whatever that is, you know, that we do to make ourselves feel better. And, um, also, during this time, our, at, there may be times when our brain actually does a really great thing for us, especially if we're very, very young, and it completely disassociates us from the trauma, and we completely have amnesia about it, and we forget it.
0: How fast does that all happen? I mean, I, the way you're describing it to me, it sounds like a long time, but I'm I, as you're speaking and describing it, I'm thinking of certain situations that I've been in, and it happened what felt like in an instant. Yes. So what is the time frame actually happening that your brain is processing through all of this information
1: all at once? Well, you know, like our our lower brain sends signals to our cortex in 500 milliseconds. It's like, it's quicker than a snap, right? And so we can go through a trauma in it like you said in an instant we can go through that whole entire thing or it can just extend out forever you know like if you've been in like a car accident or something that kind of a thing takes a long time to go through and it extends out and there's times too when we go through more complex traumas where it's like the same trauma happens to us over and over and over again throughout our lives or throughout a period of, a long, you know, period of years. So it really just depends on what the trauma is and how our brain ex- experiences that.
0: So I want to shift it to focusing on adults. I know that your specialty mm-hmm. is children and adolescents, but I know that there are lots of adults walking around that have un- have traumas that they haven't dealt with. How If they have these traumas, and and like I said, everybody's got them in some way, shape, or form, what's the result of not dealing with them? If they're carrying all of this with them, how does that show up in their life? Because from what you're telling me, it's not just mentally that it's affecting you, it's physically. Yes, yeah. So that yeah. means something must be happening to them yes. from a day-to-day basis, even in their body. Well, what happens when we go through a trauma especially if we go through a
1: trauma like over and over again, is we get stuck in a fixed state of one of those uh, stages of trauma. And so like if we're stuck in a fixed state of startle, that often looks like ADHD, ADD, anxiety. If we're stuck in a fixed state of thwarted fight and flight, that looks like conduct disorder, oppositional defiance disorder. Um, if we're stuck in a fixed state of freeze, that looks like depression. If we're stuck in a fixed state of altered state of consciousness, that looks a lot like um, like maybe even schizophrenia or some type of disassociation, uh, DID disorders. Um, if we're stuck in a fixed state of automatic obedience, that looks a lot like codependency and personality disorders. And if we're stuck in a fixed state of self-repair, that looks a lot like addictions, compulsive disorders, eating disorders. If we remember, every single one of those states have a um, body sensation, so we can even get stuck in those body sensations, and that looks a lot like chronic pain, fibromyalgia, things like that. And so, if we, if you do go through and you process those traumas using instinctual trauma response, we see that a lot of these, well, for my for my clients as kids, and then also for adults those mental health disorders that they're being diagnosed with actually kind of just goes away because it's really not chemical imbalance in the brain. It's more of a trauma response. Wow. Yeah.
0: That is stunning. That is stunning science because there are, I mean, think about all the people you know. Yeah. Somebody, somebody in some way, shape or form experiences any and all of the disorders that you just mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I've I've not made any secret of my time with counseling and how it has really saved my life. However, I don't know that I've ever revealed that I'm on an anti-anxiety medication and I probably will be on it the rest of my life because I'm so high strung. People call it type A personality, whatnot. This medication just makes me normal ish, so to speak. But I'm wondering. Huh. I'm wondering if there's something that has happened traumatically that is stored somewhere in my body that makes me this high, strong individual that requires me to have this medication to calm me down. So let me use me as a a test subject because I don't know anybody better than me. Okay. (laughs) So if an if an adult came, an adult like me came to you, said exactly what I just said. I have I'm high anxiety. I'm a Type A personality. I'm a push, 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 go, 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 and the flip side of that is nothing ever feels good enough. I don't feel like I've ever achieving enough. I don't feel like I'm ever. Comp- I- I'm never good enough to compete at the top levels. Although in reality, I absolutely am, but my brain tells me no. So if you had a subject like me come into your office and say, I- "I've tried all the traditional," The the traditional therapies, now what? Let's give this a shot. What would you do
1: with me? Yes. Okay. So I want to just kind of back up and say it also, too. Even though, like, we, when we go through and we process all those traumas and we do see behaviors like falling away, what Dr. Gant always says is treat the trauma and see what's left over because it could very well be that they, uh, your brain is wired for this, right? So, but treating the trauma and seeing what's left over. Um, Like I said, sometimes they just fall out of the, the diagnosis anymore. And so it's not the diagnosis. It's because it's not that the brain was wired this way it's because it's a trauma response. However,
0: what... So it's it's not an absolute is what you're saying. It's not an absolute. It's just another
1: tool. It is another tool, but there is another part to this. And what you're talking about is I'm not good enough, right? That I'm not good enough. Right. These This is what we call victim mythologies, the the negative beliefs that we have about ourselves. And so that's the other part of trauma is whenever we go through trauma, Okay, so let me kind of slow this down a little bit and talk about parts of system. We all have this system, and in our system we all have these different parts of ourselves, right? We have this part of ourselves who is our true authentic person, that true self, that person who is that genuine, kind, creative, caring, compassionate, intelligent person. And in order for that part of ourselves to be protected when we go through a trauma, we have different parts that actually hold on to that trauma and those that victim mythology about who we are. So we have these parts of self, these anxious parts or angry parts. They're very protective of the parts, but we also have parts that are very reactive, which are like the anger, uh, critical, perfectionist, you know, those parts. And then we have those deep, deeply wounded parts that we don't really care for, about ourselves as well right and so each one of these parts hold on to this victim mythology and so what we have to do after we've we have gone through we've drawn out an image for each one of these the stages we talk about what happened in each stage then we we retell the story with those images after retelling the story we watch it we videotape it we watch it back on the tape because that if we can have that we can, our brain can start to pick it up, right? Like, okay, we've been through this this trauma. It had a beginning, middle, and end. It ended a long time ago. That's when we pull it out of the limbic loop. Now we have to deal with those parts, right? And so those parts that came up, so then we, we have what's called an externalized dialogue, where our true self talks to those parts that were hurt and held on to the trauma. We discover what that victim mythology was, and we give relief to that
0: part. Wow! Yeah. Oh my gosh, I am I am learning so much uh, because I'm thinking about all the people that we encounter on a daily basis that they must be carrying something with them, mm-hmm. and and it sounds like to me that that there is absolute hope for those that that feel like. There isn't. It sounds like there is opportunity for that to be dealt with just through other therapies. Yes. And I mean, and who doesn't, who doesn't enjoy coloring? I mean, (laughs) there's an entire industry for adult coloring books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I have several adult coloring books because like I mentioned before, I am high strung (laughs) and I need... And I need to calm myself down at times. And sometimes, the very act of having a pencil or a crayon in my hand and putting it on paper automatically brings down my blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I don't know why; mm-hmm. it just works. But you're saying that there is there's a science to that. There is there's a, is a therapy behind that. Behind yes, that. yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. So. What has been your results of this therapy? I like I said I know that your clients are all children, but I'm really interested in hearing what is the result, the success, the the behaviors that you've noted after they've gone through this therapy. Yeah, so I
1: also specialize. I work with kids who have trauma. I work with kids who have attachment disorders, which that's a very serious behavioral consequences with, with these children. And then I work with kids who have autism. And so I have done ITR with kids across the board with these this because it works for on every level. Kids with autism, I'm noticing like some of my very emerging verbal, very low functioning kids with autism actually are starting to speak. Speak in sentences. They are doing things like they're maybe a ten-year-old child who still can't use the bathroom properly are using the bathroom uh, even in public, and or they've never taken a shower correct way and they're taking a real shower. Kids that with ADHD who can't focus in school and can't get their homework done are getting up and doing their homework and being able to stay more present in school kids with attachment disorders are starting to give that relief to those really really young parts that have the take the blame on themselves that um, that their birth mom has given them up and are able to be more attached and securely attached to their parents lowering a lot of these behaviors of large huge meltdowns yeah i'm I, I just you know for the children alone like i'm seeing a, a lot of function daily function being able to happen in their lives
0: how long have you had this integrated in your practice um so i learned about
1: itr in 2019 and i started doing it then and then i started to see the results of it and so i decided to really pursue it because, like I said, some of my low-functioning autistic children were like, I'm seeing daily functioning happen, and I'm like, this is amazing. So I've been really pursuing it since then.
0: So uh, uh, prior to that, I'm assuming that since you are a licensed counselor, you were doing the standard therapies that we're we're all familiar with. Yes, EMDR, Play
1: therapy for children, sanitary therapy, sensory motorcycle therapy, which also works with body stuff, and and even play therapy for children with autism.
0: So this therapy of this intrinsic trauma response, where's the research going? I mean, this sounds like super exciting science to me. And I, I'm curious as to now that they have a baseline and they have studies and results, where are they going to take it i mean yeah well you know my my yes. my mind races
1: <laughs> yeah and there's like there's so the uh, it's a wide variety of areas that we have found uh, great success in like military and first responders they actually have a different way of moving through trauma Because they're actually trained to go straight to the automatic obedience and just do what you're trained to do, right? Having ITR for that, veterans who have extreme PTSD, it's amazing to see that they are able to move beyond that. Even the daily, like chronic, if you're stuck in chronic stress, you know, and it's not necessarily like there's a trauma, but it's just that you have chronic stress.
0: Even that, it's,
1: it's helpful for that as well.
0: Globally, haven't we all been stuck in daily chronic stress yes. for the last three years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if anybody in the audience or if yourself have noticed that anytime you go into public, it's uncomfortable. At least that's what I'm experiencing is that it's not, people are on edge and it's, there's this energy of anxiety everywhere you go. And I can, I can only attest to it that for the last 3 years we've been living in this weird altered universe. We are in the upside down. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And people are stuck in that fear response. And when you're stuck in that fear response, those parts of self come up to protect true self. And so everybody's talking through their parts and parts are not they're trying so hard to be helpful, right? Because that's what their job is to try and help you, but they they live in a dysfunction and they're not extremely helpful. So what we want to do is we want to help those parts become more helpful, right? Because like we don't want to get rid of anger because anger is a very important part of um, helping us with uh, understanding the world around us. Even anxiety is an extremely important part of understanding like something's going on that we really need to pay attention to right now. So it's not like we want to get rid of these parts. We just want to make the the parts more helpful and and more functional,
0: more cohesive yeah. and do what they are for rather than working against us. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's listening and saying, huh, this sounds interesting, but I'd like to do a little bit of research before I start asking for this therapy, where would you point them to, to do some reading on their own to see if hmm, maybe this is worth a shot?
1: Yeah, so you can go to helpfortrauma.com. That is the website for Instinctual Trauma Response, and on that website there are a lot of extremely helpful videos to really get to give you an understanding of how Instinctual Trauma Response works, and different testimonials of um, various people from all walks of life talking about their experience going through Instinctual Trauma Response. People who've been in trauma for year, uh, trauma therapy for years and years and years, and never getting any relief, doing Instinctual Trauma Response and having now they can live a a daily life that's, that's happy and functioning. So yeah, like lots of, lots of things like that you can see on, on their um, website.
0: And if they wanted to connect with you and ask you questions, maybe even want to inquire about some therapy for their children, because I know that your specialty is child and adolescent How would they reach you?
1: Um, You can go to my website at CompassionateHeartCC.com and you can contact me. I have all my contact information on the website through my email and my work phone number. Uh, My email
0: is PamelaBenia at CompassionateHeart.com. I'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, they have all the contact information I have learned so much in our conversation and I've only gotten to spend 45 minutes with you. I I mean this is this sounds like it could be a game changer for many of us walking around. And I'm fascinated by the science. I, I think I want to go do some research on my own just to to read about it and watch the use cases and see what what else it has done so thank you for the education thank you for the hope yeah um uh, and i want to I, I want to step back from the mic for a moment because i want to give you an unru- uninterrupted opportunity to have a lasting statement to the audience
1: there's hope for trauma we experience trauma and it can affect us and trauma can be healed you don't have to stay in that trauma response and in your triggers. You can move through this and past
0: this, and you can live a happy and abundant life. I couldn't have said anything better than that hmm. because you left everybody with hope and a way. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the education. Thank you for tackling such a difficult subject that was really really unspoken about for a very long time and it shows it shows we haven't talked about it for a very long time. And thank you for being one of those champions to bring it to the forefront and doing something about it. Thank you for your work and thank you for your time and being here with me
1: today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this opportunity to be able to get the
0: world word out that yes, you can get help for your trauma. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for listening and we'll see you again next time. This is just the beginning. That's our show. I am so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womeninthearena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you. And I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.